The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. You people, you know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. CW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Hello and welcome to Nitro Nights, a WCW Look Back podcast proudly brought to you by the SJP World Media Network. My name is Sai, and joining me as always is the wrestling encyclopedia himself, the king of the juggalos, Scottish Danny. How are we doing, sir? Excited, mate. Here we are, the go-home show to uh, Full Brawl, so I'm excited to uh, get into it with you. Yes, indeed, indeed. Um, a little peek behind the curtain, I suppose, but obviously you messaged me a few times today as I was about to start watching the episode and so on and said that I'm going to really enjoy it. Uh, you thought it was a brilliant show and a, a great go-home episode and so on. Um, I have quite a split opinion on this episode of Nitro. I have quite a, a, a split viewpoint. So it's going to be quite interesting when we sum up later on uh, because I think for a wrestling show, there's not a lot of good wrestling on here. But as a TV show, and as you mentioned, Danny, a go-home episode of Nitro, building the storylines to get people to buy the pay-per-view, that aspect of it, the advancement of storylines, is bloody fantastic. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah, so I don't know how much wrestling we're actually going to talk today, because there's a few matches that are quite short and so on, So, but I think the main talking points are away from the ring. But we'll get to that shortly, won't we? Uh this episode first aired on the 9th of September 1996 from Columbus, Georgia, and it received 3.7 in the TV ratings as opposed to Monday Night Raw's 2.4. So Raw hasn't come back and uh, gained loads of viewers after its two-week absence. Nitro is still doing very strong there. That episode of Raw, however, they went head-to-head with this episode of Nitro. Looking down the card, you can kind of see why many people may not have you know, tuned in or maybe have turned off halfway through. We had Farouk defeating Savio Vega in a quarterfinal match for the Intercontinental Title Tournament. We had the Stalker, who of course was Barry Windham. Hey, God bless Barry. He defeated T.L. Hopper in just over three minutes. Crush defeated Freddie Joe Floyd in just over two minutes. And in your main event, The Undertaker defeated Salvador Sincere. So... That to me sounds fucking awful. <laughs> it's, it's a very, um, it's telling of the 90s WWF, isn't it? Like, there's mm. so much gimmicks on that show. It just sounds terrible as well. None of the matches, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the Farouk versus Savio Vega match went the longest, but the, the other two matches were less than, what, less than three minutes each, I suppose. Uh, it's just crap. Yeah. It's just absolutely oh, yeah. crap. All you're missing is the goon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but at least you got to see Barry Windham. So that's a plus point. Yeah. In another segment on the show, however, Jim Ross announced that contract negotiations were going on between the WWF and Diesel and Razor Ramon. So that's something quite interesting that we'll have to get into on another day, I think, Danny, because that's going to uh, yeah. develop as we go through the weeks. Before we dive into what happened on the show that won the Monday Night Ratings War, 
Nitro. We need to have a little look back two days previous to what happened in WCW over the weekend. So, Danny, WCW Saturday night, what have you got for us? WCW Saturday night is brought to you by me, Scottish Danny. Here we are, mate. It, so this aired on um, September the 7th, 1996. And in the opener, we had Bobby Walker defeating Arn Anderson, but by disqualification, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> we also had Chavo Guerrero Jr. pinning Kenny Chaos. We okay. had, yep, yeah, a bit of a weird one. Um, we had Bobby Eaton defeating Dave Taylor, which we, we haven't seen too much Dave Taylor. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks now, hasn't it? Well, they, they had that um, split on Nitro, didn't they? Was it last week? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. So we've seen the split on Nitro, but the actual fallout from that, the match is on uh, Saturday night, which is a shame. Yeah. We odd, but yeah, we also had the Faces of Fear defeating Prince Ayakea and Jim Powers in our semi-main event. And then in our main event, the fabulous VK Wall Street defeated Randy Savage by disqualification. Bloody hell. Let me guess, Savage grabs a chair and it sounds like a lunatic, because that kind of yeah. be his, seems to be his thing at the moment, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Okay. Uh, this episode of Nitro then begins with, uh, well, camera shot of the crowd. And we see a massive NWO rules sign. That's, I think it's like on a bed sheet of some sort. And it, it covers a good few chairs. And this is a running theme throughout this episode of Nitro, I think, Danny. In that we're getting more and more NWO support, NWO fans and this week is really, really prominent. We've we have several NWO um, paid for announcements uh, selling their shirt, which is you know awesome because the the NWO that iconic T shirt is now is now available at this point in our timeline. I'll watch back in '96. But in the crowd, you've got kids wearing T shirts where they have spray painted NWO on them, and there's quite a few dotted around. There's quite a few people holding NWO signs. It, there seems to be this. I mean, we've noticed it over the last few weeks, haven't we? Little pockets of people cheering for the NWO and so on, but it's been quite a small amount. This episode of Nitro seems a real big turn in the direction of the fans, and so many of them now openly showing their support for the New World Order, Danny. Yeah, uh, that surprised me as much as um, this episode is in WCW's home, well, basically their home base of Georgia, and yeah, so you'd think that they would be on WCW side, but no, they're firmly on the NWO side. Mm, indeed. Our first contest sees the debut of Super Callow, who we're going to go and see on the Four Brawl pay-per-view. Um, a very odd mask that Mike Tanay explains has the hat and sunglasses stitched into it to make it part of a mask, which I think the concept sounds good. But I think it still looked like shit, to be fair. But the idea yeah. is good. <laughs> it, reminded, <laughs> it reminded me of um, the great Musa at the Hall of Fame this year. He had the uh, hair attached to his mask, didn't he? <laughs> yes. And Super Calo is facing Pat Tanaka, which is a real blast from the past, isn't it? A real throwback there. Yeah. Um, this match, uh, it's going to be a similar theme, I think, whenever we speak about the wrestling on this episode of Nitro. It's quite short. It's a bit clunky. It's not brilliant, but it's not awful. It's kind of how I'd summarise it. How, how did you find this contest, Danny? And I suppose most importantly, with the pay-per-view coming up uh, as our next show, what did you think of Super Calo? I was quite impressed with the opener of this because it was a very speedy start. But I think after the initial um, camera cut to the backstage where we see some NWO fans picking up pizzas, I, I thought they were pizzas, but I think they were leaflets, weren't they? <laughs> I thought they were pizzas as well. And yeah. I thought, what's going on? Are they going to go and hand food out to the crowd? What's, what's all this about? But yeah, they were like pamphlets when they flyers, yes. But it did, it yeah. looked like pizzas. Yeah, I think they were boxes of um, pamphlets. But yeah, yeah. Um, after that, when we came back, it was kind of like this match had slowed down a bit. But I did enjoy Super Calo because um, this is important that you put him on the go-home show of a pay-per-view so that fans can see him because we only seen the video package last week. So it was nice to see. But this match, um, it's kind of like what you were saying, it was just there for me. 
Yeah, it wasn't spectacular. Well, no, okay, that's that's not accurate. I'm 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 talking nonsense there. There were spectacular moments, but I mean, I agree with you. It's important that people get to see Super Calo before the title match because he is facing. Um, he's going up against the face of their cruiserweight division, Rey Mysterio. Uh, and there are some moments that were pretty incredible. And we get one where there's a Frankensteiner attempt by Super Calo, which Pat Tanaka turns into a powerbomb. That was quite spectacular. Uh, Calo does the Kurt Angle style run up the ropes into a, into a backflip, which was pretty, pretty cool as well. Uh, yeah, the match is then obviously broken up because the NWO have kids in NWO shirts, teenagers or whatever. Um, gathering their flyers outside the arena before coming in or decked out in their, their NWO t-shirts and merch and so on. But then we get to the finish quite quickly and we have Pat Tanaka trying, I'm not really sure what, it looks like maybe some kind of gut wrench suplex potentially from the top rope. Yeah, it doesn't. It certainly quite... looked like that. It yeah, was, it was weird. Odd, very odd. Yeah, and it, it kind of messes up a bit. It goes a bit wrong and Kahlo lands on him and gets the win. So... Whereas on the one hand, I appreciate they've got Super Calo on the episode of Nitro and they've given him a win. So now we're familiar with the guy before the pay-per-view. On the other side of the coin, I don't think he came out of this looking great because the finish was a bit well, a bit clunky and a bit rubbish, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I felt like that as well. But I mean, I'm sure at the pay-per-view, he will um, blow our minds. Well, hopefully so. Hopefully so. <laughs> uh this is followed up with Mean Gene Oakland, and he is talking to Rick Steiner. And Steiner is talking about wrestling Lex Luger that night, and also talking about how he had them beat last week. And kept saying, you saw it, Gene. Ask my brother Scott. Ask Sting. Where's Sting? I can beat him. I can beat him. I had him beaten. Now, I know Rick Steiner here is trying to lean into that you know, he, he's a bit unstable and, and Scott, you know, kind of puts his arm around him sometimes and guides him and all that sort of, that, that, that kind of edge to his character. But I just thought this was weird. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much the same, mate. It was like, I don't think anyone would give um, Rick Steiner a um, award for promo of the year, but he was kind of lost. He was mm. kind of lost. Yeah. Uh, Luger turns up and he says Sting's not here yet but we'll see what happens in the ring when we go out there later on tonight. So we're obviously getting Rick Steiner versus Lex Luger this evening. Uh, we then get our first NWO announcement of the show. Uh, you know, the following announcement has been paid for, etc., etc., And it's a very brief clip of them advertising their NWO t-shirt, that iconic design that is still for sale to this present day. And I loved the line by Kevin Nash right at the end. All sales, all proceeds will go to the Ric Flair Retirement Fund. That tickled me. <laughs> that did, yeah. Because the funny thing is, Ric Flair is still, well, has had matches more than, more recently than all three NWO members here. <laughs> yes, this is true. This is true. <laughs> um, we then get, and this is something I'm really intrigued to get your thoughts upon, Danny. Weeks and weeks and weeks, months and months and months, we have had the promos saying that Glacier is coming to WCW. And then for a while, we had promos just saying Glacier. And then we had more promos saying he's coming to WCW. And then we went back to promos that just said Glacier. And then we had Big Bubba call him out on Nitro. And now we've got a clip of Glacier making his debut on WCW Pro on the weekend. This, yeah. Um, did he actually wrestle a match? Because I struggled to... Um to find any results or anything like that. I, th I think this was just a debut and an appearance. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't know. I, 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 assumed he, was... I assumed he wrestled, yeah. but yeah, yeah, this, yeah, I was not a fan of, I mean, we've, as you just said, I mean, all this build up, all this build up for a Sunday morning show that hardly anyone will be watching at this mm. point. I mean, not even on Saturday night, Si. No, indeed. I mean, even if they've had him come out and wrestle on pro or wrestle in house shows and they've shown some of his matches, you don't need to put that on Nitro. You don't need to publicize that. You can literally then just have his Nitro debut. The first time you see him on Nitro is him wrestling. It's kind of, to me, already watered down the debut before we get the big debut, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
No, it does. It does. Yeah, I'm quite disappointed in that because I was thinking, oh, he's going to show up on Nitro, but no, on uh, Pro. But at the same time, it gives you an excuse. Maybe we can start doing Pro recaps now. I will slap your face. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, After this, we go back to the ring and we have a match that maybe belongs on WSW Pro. I'm not 100% sure. We have yours, your favourite and mine, Danny, of course, the Nasty Boys. Um, <laughs> and they are taking on the debuting Amazing French Canadians, which are basically the Quebecers from WWF in the 90s, if people remember those, Jack Rougeau and the fella who has now gone on to be PCO in, I think, Ring of Honor and all those sorts of places. Uh, yes, and they're, they're taking on the Nasty Boys. We get the standard, quite dated, I guess, gimmick from the American French Canadian, the amazing, sorry, French Canadians, as they come out waving flags and try and sing the Canadian national anthem before the Nasty Boys attack. Uh, I'm not going to lie, Danny, I'm going to be perfectly up front with you now and display a huge level of unprofessionalism. I've got barely anything about this match. I picked my phone up and played around on that for a little while. I'm so bored of the Nasty Boys, it's ridiculous. The only thing that really grabbed my attention was when we saw the fans, or, or the, the the paid NWO support, handing those flyers out all over the crowd. Yeah, yeah, pretty much the same. But I will say one thing Tony Giovanni said that made me laugh. He says, um, as the Nasty Boys making their entrance, he says... The Nasty Boys are red hot uh, at this time. And I was thinking, are they in, in 1996? Mm. Are they, Tony? I think you're fibbing. Now, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, um, the thing I found about this match, I was a bit um, stuck on, are the Nasty Boys still heels or are they baby faces at this, at this point? It was a bit hard to tell. I think they're supposed to be baby faces now. I think oh. that's... I'm assuming Scott Steiner is injured, as we spoke about on a previous episode of yep. Nitro Nights, which leads to them needing somebody to wrestle Harlem Heat, who are supposed to be heels. So the Nasties have been dropped into that kind of spot, I guess, just because they need someone there. Uh, so, I mean, the crowd were chanting for them afterwards when they were talking with Mean Gene. So they're supposed to be uh, they're supposed to be good guys now, aren't they? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But, so how would that explain the Nasty Boys using a, a flag to uh, get the win? <laughs> I could explain it. Um, two <laughs> two things. One, because WCW. And yep. two, because the Nasty Boys are bollocks. Yes. <laughs> so there we go. The flyers that we, we mentioned were getting handed out uh, around the crowd in support of the NWO. And I love this because Larry Zabisco decides, I'm going to go take a look. I'm going to go get hold of one and see what it says. Puts his headset down, buggers off to the crowd, takes a flyer off one of the people handing them out to the audience, and then gets all the rest of the flyers and just throws them on the deck out of the way because he's disgusted by all this NWO nonsense. And the flyers read something along the lines of, um, you think you've sinned bad, you've not sinned bad yet, it's coming, or something along those lines, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Larry Spisco is really putting forward that he hates the NWO, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, what do you think about Zabisco then? The singers were on the topic of him. Uh, and I'm asking this with what happens in the future in my mind, which I'm not going to spill the beans on now because obviously you haven't seen it yet. But with regards to Larry Zabisco in this very anti NWO commentary role, the crowd obviously love him. He gets good reaction from the audience every time he's on screen. Um, as a commentator and then also as a character of Zabisco himself. What, what are your thoughts on, on this individual, Danny? He's definitely grown on me. I mean, um, I just find it funny that each week we open Nitro, he's always got like a, a weird, um, funny-looking uh, shirt on. Um, yeah, and that wasn't I, weird. I enjoy him. I do those enjoy shirt, him. Um, those shirts aren't weird. They're just 1996. <laughs> <laughs> I had shirts like that. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, his um his chemistry with Tony Schiavone is really good. But I'm glad he's only on the first hour. But that's nothing against um his work because I think he is really good at uh, being a commentator. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, he does get involved in quite a bit as we go forward through these various storylines. So it's going to be intriguing to see what you think as 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 the stories progress. Up next, we have. Scott Norton, and he is taking on Sergeant Pittman. P. 
Pittman is out with Teddy Long, who seems to be acting as his manager here. And we're told by Tony Schiavone on commentary, this is a hold v. hold match. But it's never really explained what that means. And this mm. in a similar way to the to the opener and pretty much the rest of the wrestling we have on this episode of Nitro. It's a bit messy. It's a bit clunky. It's quite short. I don't really think I'd ever need to see it again. Uh, eventually, we, we mean, Scott Norton dominates the majority of the match. They end up on the outside and Norton sends uh, Pittman into the ring post and so on. Applies his armbar finisher in the ring. Ice Train comes out, throws in the towel to submit on, I suppose, Pittman's behalf, whilst Teddy Long is telling Pittman to not submit. <laughs> so we've still got the whole Scott Norton Ice Train thing going on. I think we're heading into a match in the pay-per-view. But what did you think of this uh, this match and, and the segment around it, Danny? It was kind of like um, this is okay. This is just has to be here to fill time. But there was one spot that I really wanted to pick your brain on, Zach. Okay. So, what do you think? Of, at the, one point in this match, Craig Pittman uses a move called the battering ram, where he just lunges his head straight into Scott Norton's midsection. What do you think of that move? I think it's not 1982, and it looks like shit. <laughs> What do you? What What did you think? <laughs> I I found it is just outdated. Yeah. Yes. Um. I mean, you talk about concussion issues and every everything like that. I mean, I just this this would have caused a concussion. Yeah, and I suppose as well from a from a kayfabe standpoint, then from from a wrestling yeah. standpoint, if you're trying to sort of, you know suspend your disbelief and so on, you look at Scott Norton. That guy is barrel chested. His he has a huge thick torso. Why would you throw your head at that? Twice. <laughs> yeah. What? Why? I mean, obviously, from a wrestling standpoint, it's a move that Pittman has to, has in his arsenal. He wants to use it. I think Pitt, Sergeant Pittman is pretty limited when it comes to being an in-ring competitor. So if he's only got a handful of moves, I can understand why they put it in there for that aspect. You know, looking at it from a, a scripted uh, wrestling match standpoint. But if you're looking at it from a kayfabe standpoint, from from a viewpoint of trying to believe this is real, why would you do that? It makes no sense because you're going to come off worse. It makes sense if you're playing with uh, wrestling toys and you actually do that as a move because that's something I would have done. <laughs> well, yeah, fair point. Fair point. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, we go backstage to see Mean Gene and he is with Ric Flair, Lex Luger and Arn Anderson. And two big things I took from this promo. One, no one knows where Sting is. No one has a clue. And two, Arn Anderson is freaking amazing again. Yeah, it perfectly said, mate. I mean, this um, this was the show running theme throughout the night, continuing and really blossoming here, where we ask, where is Sting? Ric Flair asks it. Um, even Lex Luger asks it. Lex Luger is doing his best to reassure everyone, but then Ric Flair goes into total promo mode and um, sort of hypes up the pay per view, which is really cool. I loved when uh, Mongo and Chris Benoit entered as well. Mm. Yeah, it's good because they're still angling to try and get spots in the War Games match. Uh, it's it's a really interesting dynamic, isn't it, between that group? Because the Horsemen are obviously the Horsemen; they're loyal to each other. Mongo and Benoit um, are loyal to Flair and Arn, of course, because Flair and Arn are, I suppose, outrank them in the Horsemen, for want of a better term. And they've stepped aside to allow Luger and Sting to take their to take their spots in War Games because Arn and Flair have said that's what they want, so they're doing the right thing. They're being very respectful of their their elders, for want of a better term. Yeah. But then you've also got the dynamic of they would jump back into those spots in a heartbeat. They don't really trust Sting and Luger. The whole time, the horsemen are still, realistically, they're supposed to be heels. Sting and Luger are the baby faces, but they're being asked, can we trust you? It's a really interesting dynamic. Lots of shades of grey going on there, isn't there? 
Yeah, absolutely, mate. And I found this was very interesting because um, this was the first time we've actually heard Lex Luger from his own mouth say that he was a horseman. Before, it was just Sting or Lex saying, oh, we've been up and down the roads together. We've been known each other for years. But this is actually the first time Lex Luger's actually said the words that he was a horseman. Yes, you ever go back and watch some of the old uh, Jim Crockett television from that era, you'll see Lex looking incredible as he always does i mean the guy the guy's fitness regime is is insane and he had a glorious flowing blonde mullet and tended to wear white suits it was quite the sight to behold but there we go yeah. after arn anderson is just absolute class on the microphone again we have a recap of diamond dallas page and eddie guerrero and their issues involving chavo guerrero as well building towards um, a potential match at the four ball pay-per-view before we have Joe Gomez versus Juventud Guerrera, who got called Guerrero over and over again by the commentary team, which is quite frustrating. Yeah. Uh, I find this quite an odd mix. They're trying to highlight how good Guerrera is. He, he goes on to win the match, and he has some fantastic moments, like a springboard head scissors attempt and so on, and, and wins ultimately with a kind of springboard plancher uh, spiral into the ring um, and looked very good doing it. However, Joe Gomez, first of all, Joe Gomez to me, despite his size, uh, uh, he doesn't look like a wrestler. He mm. looks like he should be the guitarist for Man of War or, <laughs> or something like that. I mean, he's got glorious hair. Don't get me wrong. I've got hair envy about Joe Gomez. He looks fantastic. With his hair is awesome, but he doesn't quite look like a pro wrestler. Yeah. He's quite, quite a lot bigger than Hoovy here. It just seemed an odd mix to me, Danny. What did you think about this? I found it was kind of like, um, this was the showcase straight for Juventud Guerrero uh, and Joe Gomez. I mean, we did get a lot of offense in, but it was, we're here to showcase this guy. So Gomez was basically a brick wall because he wasn't being showcased at all. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I also got a kick out of Tony Schiavone on commentary, just not knowing what certain moves were called. Uh, I love Tony Schiavone. He's the voice of WCW. The guy is fantastic. I love hearing him on AEW every week. He, he's also, his podcast is superb as well. Uh, here, when Hoovy wins with the sort of spiral plancher and Mike Tanay goes on to give it its proper name, it, you know, its proper Spanish name and, and makes all the Japanese references and Lucha Libre references and all that sort of stuff. But the initial call when it happened Tony Schiavone simply goes, oh, Guerrero with a spinning move. I don't know why, but that really tickled me. We've all been there. So. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, this is followed up with Nick Patrick once again speaking to Mean Gene. Uh, we have a recap of the controversy of the DQ finish with Lex Luger and Sting facing the Steiner brothers last week. Nick Patrick explains that he was struck by Luger. You look it up in any rule book, he says once again. And I, I, I love this because it, 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 I think Nick Patrick is an absolutely fascinating character at this point in 96. Yeah. Because he's he's always got an out. He's always got an explanation for why he's making these choices. And as a viewer, you can think this guy's a crooked ref. He's a, there's something up with him. But he can always half explain it away. So you never fully get convinced either way. I, I really enjoyed this. What did you think, Danny? Really enjoyed it as well. It was like, um, I found this was less um, finger pointing towards Mean Gene as well from Nick Patrick, but he still did kind of blame him. He was like, oh, you're stirring the rumours. Um, Nick Patrick is definitely grown as a star each week, and I can't wait to see where this goes. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Uh, we then get a shot in the car park of a very, very rainy Georgia as the NWO themselves now, not you know, young kids they've hired, the NWO themselves are right there. Hogan in full wrestling gear, by the way, boots and tights, the whole shebang, are right there, um, basically ticketing cars. They're flyering cars. These NWO flyers, they're putting all over the car park, all over, all over the vehicles there and so on. I love this, and I'll tell you what, I bet at the time WCW were frustrated having to, because a lot of this show now is outdoors in the car park, isn't it? And I bet at the time, the weather was a frustrating thing for them. But looking back now at the finished product, 
that hammering down rain, I think, really adds to everything we get outside in the car park, Danny. Yeah, beautifully said, mate, because it's very much like um, uh, like some, something out of Batman where they have like um, scenes where there's rain and it just adds to the drama of the scene. Um, this is uh, the 10th now limo count, Scottish Danny's limo count uh, that we've had <laughs> in this nitro. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just insane. The NWL just do not travel without just limos, do they? <laughs> Uh, all that DBRC money, everyone's got a price, as they say. Uh, speaking of Ted DBRC, he's talking to someone. Now, the NWO are all out in the car park. You, we see the members of it. We, we see Hall, Nash, Hogan, and the Giant. But DBRC is talking to somebody else in the limo. So, who is this? And the commentary team say, who is this? Is this another new member of the NWO? Who is this? Is somebody else joining? Which again adds that mystery and that kind of um, the unknown and makes you want to carry on watching to find out what's yeah. going to happen, I guess, Danny, doesn't it? It does, mate. And it's a perfect way of saying, don't change your channel to Raw, watch this, so because you never know who might come out of that limo. Why the fuck would you want to change the channel to Raw? No one's going to want to watch T.L. Hopper and self at all sincere, are they? Jesus. Um, <laughs> <True>. <laughs> Uh, the following contest, we're told, because I mean, we go into hour two part of the way through this, we're told, even though this is only halfway through the show, that this is our semi-main event, which is interesting for me. Eric Bischoff mentions yeah. that on commentary. Uh, we have Lex Luger, and he is taking on Rick Steiner. And again, the commentary team really kind of hammer home the whole, where is Sting? This is unusual. Sting should be here by now. He's got a pay-per-view match on the weekend. You'd have thought he'd have been here with Luger and his teammates and so on. Uh, somebody, I believe it might have been Bobby Heenan, actually said, was Sting booked to wrestle tonight? And Bischoff responds, no. And Heenan's like, well, then why, why would he be here? And that actually made perfect sense to me. <laughs> yeah, it's logic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But again, the question is still there. Where is the Stinger? Yeah. Uh, Lex Luger starts this match all fired up and flexing and throwing forearms and so on. Uh, but eventually the, the match ends up on the mat where Rick Steiner naturally will dominate. Uh, Rick Steiner is in control for a great deal of it before Luger fights back with another big forearm, a power slam attempt. And then as he's calling for the rack, Nick Patrick arrives and calls for Lex Luger to get outside as quickly as possible. The NWO are here and, and all sorts of stuff is going on. Quickly, Lex, get out to the car park. Before we go on to what happens in the car park, is there anything you want to add to the match itself, Danny? Anything that stands out in your mind? Yeah, um, Lex Luger got a really big pop when he um, entered the ring. I found that very yes. very cool as well because um, there was all, we talked about it before uh, a while back now um, about how Eric Bischoff um, gave Lex Luger a low deal because he didn't think he would take the deal for WCW. Uh, I think he's earned his money in spades here. I mean, he's mm. become a massive baby face here, one of the top guys in WCW. Yeah, and, and that's kind of hammered home as well, I think, by, again, f forgive me, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Heenan again. It definitely wasn't Bischoff. It might have been Heenan saying that he thinks Luger could be the guy to get the belt off Hogan. And to openly state that on, on your television in that way, really endorsing this this individual. And you've got Sting, who is the top baby face in the company, I, I would say at this time. Luger and Savage are kind of the two just below that, I think. Yeah. So it's a real good position Luger finds himself in. He's involved in so much of the big storylines as well. So Yeah. Speaking of big storylines, we follow Luger and Nick Patrick out into this rainy car park. And as we're heading that way, the camera cuts to DiBiossi, who is leaning into the limo. We can't see what's in the back of this limousine still. But we, I mean, first of all, that doesn't quite make sense to me because it's pissing down with rain. Why doesn't DVRC just get in? But I suppose for the nature of the television program, it has to be shot this way. And yeah. we can hear that DVRC is talking to Sting. Yeah. And they're having a conversation about who can we trust, who can we not trust. Sting is saying, you can trust me. And DVRC is saying, yes, you can trust us as well. And the commentators at this point are going batshit crazy. Yeah. It seems like Sting is in the limo, talking to DiBiase, and maybe on the turn. 
quite a uh, what dramatic moment. What were you thinking, Danny, when you saw this? A bit disappointed, so I have to tell you. Um, I'll tell you why. Because if they were going to turn Sting, why not wait for the pay per view? I mean, we're not get. I'll get in. I'll let you explain what happens next. But my thing was, why couldn't this have been done at the pay per view? Okay, interesting. See, again, we spoke. I can't remember if it was whilst we were recording or if it was after we'd recorded the last episode of Nitro Nights. And I asked you, do you know where we're going with this, with Four Brawl and the storylines and so on? Because the, the beauty, I think, of, of this show is there's so much television there that you have not seen. Yeah. And a lot of it, storyline-wise and so on, you're seeing for the first time. So we get a a wrestling fan who has watched wrestling for many, many, many years and is very knowledgeable about the world of professional wrestling. We get your opinion on this product, despite the fact it's nearly 30 years old now, as though you're watching it for the first time. And I find, I find that the most fascinating aspect of this podcast we do. I asked you if you know where this was going and you said, no, you didn't know anything about four brawl or where it's heading or or anything like that with regards to the NWO and the storylines advancing beyond this. So that's why I was really intrigued to uh, to sort of get your viewpoints on what we're seeing on this Nitro, because, again, it'd been very easy for you to have seen this before or read about it or whatever. So the fact that you're viewing this effectively for the first time as a new viewer, I find it fascinating. Yeah, I find it so interesting. Uh, Effectively, Luger arrives and is jumped. Everyone starts attacking him. And then, Danny, who gets out the limo? Bloody Sting. And Bloody Sting. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody I Sting. I was disappointed, Sam, because how many weeks have we been talking? I mean, we said it, I think it was about four weeks ago, we said these two as a team have been just brilliant like i mean they've had their comedy moments and they've had serious promo time with the horsemen and stuff but my biggest issue was why not on the pay-per-view why on the go home show i mean think about we watched um halloween havoc uh, 1995 and we saw rick flair turn on sting there and i remember being suckered in and thinking ah oh, and i actually really was enjoyed by that i love being worked like that as our friend steve always says but on a on a pre pay per view nitro, I just I just have a big problem with it. I mean, couldn't they have just not saved it for? I mean, it, effectively, this is a one night angle because Sting's missing, and then he appears and he turns heel immediately. I, I would have brought out at least six days, at least six days. I mean, yeah, that's my I mean, rant over. But yeah, <laughs> what did you think about Sting's heel turn? I I have got. I, I'll tell you what. I was going to talk at length about it and break it down and, and, and so on, but I'm not, I'm not going to do that because I know what happens and where this goes, obviously. So I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to give away. I don't want to give anything away. Uh, Again, most people listening will probably have an idea or or have seen this all before anyway, but I don't want to ruin it for you, Danny. I don't want uh, any spoilers or anything like that. So, but yes, as you as you said about the announcers also selling this, Eric Bischoff in particular sold this oh. like like his child was being run over or something. <laughs> Bischoff, I've got several notes about Bischoff about how great he is as well. Yes, uh, Sting uh, attacks Luger in the car park. At one point, Luger is left laying in in well, basically in a puddle as the rain hammers down, and you've got the street lights and the, the light of the moon, I guess, as well, and the, the limo there. The, the limo's black, obviously, and it's shining away in, in the, the, the um, street lights, the rain hammering down, Luger led on the floor as Sting, in his glittery jacket and face paint, kicks the piss out of his best mate. Yeah. And Luger does mount a fight back as the NWO scarper, and he grabs the limo driver and, and basically launches this poor little dude about 40 yards <laughs> into this dirty gravel. He's wearing a white shirt as well in the rain. He's wearing a white shirt and a tie. And he ends up on this dirty brown gravel and just caked in crap as Luger. I mean, Luger did not look after that guy. He threw him, yeah. didn't he? <laughs> he went flying. <laughs> oh, man. 
the NWL will, will scarper and disappear. Um, Eric Bischoff on commentary is absolutely fantastic. He is distraught. He is upset. He is angry. So, so good. And then we go to a break. And when we come back, we have a recap. Uh, well, I suppose it's a show of recaps now. Really, a great portion of what's left of this episode of Nitro is recapping what we've seen last week and in the build-up to the pay-per-view, which I suppose is frustrating from one aspect because we've seen all this before and it takes up a lot of airtime now yeah. showing us things we've already seen. But on the other side of the coin, how many times have we spoken about WCW not doing enough to promote their big events and the storylines going into them? And here we are dedicating so much time recapping the stories and pushing the pay-per-view so from that aspect i, I think well done wcw because they're just trying to get the buy rate up yeah well said mate and it's like yeah we have to we pushing these stories forward so that the fans know about the big angles even the small angles because we get um highlight packages a bit later on and promos and yeah it's well done well mm. done it is it is. Uh, but what does follow is some very long recap packages. Uh, we have a recap of the whole NWO, uh, Horseman, Dibiossi, Giant Turning, and so on from last week. We then get a recap of what went on in the car park this week. And Eric Bischoff is, is, is he's acting like someone's died. He's yeah. absolutely devastated. And then right in the middle of all this, we get the following announcement has been paid for by the NWO. <laughs> and it's them trying to shill their bloody T-shirts again. I loved the timing of that. Yeah, that's so good. So good. Such bastards. Um, <laughs> the, the WCW guys at this point are all run out into the car park looking for the NWO as well, don't they? We're, yep. They all scarp right there. And I did this tickled me because you've got everyone going out there, some guys in wrestling gear, some guys in their tracksuits, some guys in um, you know, smarter clothes. Rick Steiner was thinking, I ain't getting wet. Steiner's running around looking for a fight, carrying a brolly, which is brilliant. <laughs> Do you know whose umbrella that was? Whose was that? Ted DiBiase's from earlier. Oh, was it really? <laughs> yeah. Because at, at one point, I don't think we mentioned it, Ted DiBiase just scarpers and he runs really fast, faster than I thought he could. Um, and it looks like Rick, it's the same blue um, uh, umbrella. In fact, I think it was the same. Yeah, yeah, all night they just used the same umbrella. But yeah, Rick Steiner with that yeah umbrella did look hilarious in his little wrestling uh, singlet as well. <laughs> it was fantastic. What a visual. I mean, Rick Steiner's a but, piece of shit, as we've already found yeah. out recently, but that was funny. And also, <laughs> I suppose in a way, uh, we've seen people jumping shit from WCW to the NWO. Diviossi's Brolly must be the first uh, on-screen character or on-screen prop to jump ship from NWO to WCW then. Ah, yeah. Well spotted. <laughs> A Diviossi's Brolly t-shirt coming up. Yeah. <laughs> did you catch Mike Tanay's, um line that he said? What was that? He said, the missing ingredient in WCW is a lack of leadership and... Wow, that just speaks. I mean, if you, you could say that quote at the end of WCW, but Eric Bischoff actually got pissed off with him and said, oh, that's funny for you to say. You're a relatively newcomer here. Yeah. You've only been here five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, we then get a, a cruiserweight contest following this. Rey Mysterio, the cruiserweight champion, wrestles Billy Kidman. And uh, just as they get going, this match finishes for me. Yeah. They get only get given a couple of minutes. Um, as you would expect, there's some great aerial stuff. They're flying all over the place. There's head scissors, etc. Um, Ray hits a springboard at one point, and Kidman launches up and blocks it with a huge high drop kick, which is a pretty spectacular sight. Before Ray eventually wins the match with a senton off off the top rope as well. I wish this was a bit longer, Danny, because just as they were getting going, it stopped. Yeah, yeah, pretty much the same, mate. But at the same time, I also realise, um, well, I'm just guessing that they're wanting to save Rey Mysterio for the pay-per-view because okay. maybe they didn't want to risk an injury if he was... Uh... Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Fair enough. What follows is far from a cruiserweight contest and is also something that I wish didn't have as long as it did. 
if anything, I wish they could have took five minutes off this match and given it to Kidman versus Mysterio. We have the Faces of Fear, and they're taking on the dancing, table-hugging goons of Public Enemy. Eric Bischoff is still very much having a sulk about Sting joining the NWO. Uh, we have the, the split screen pops up that I thought was very much uh, an exclusive of Nasty Boy Public Enemy matches, but obviously not. I got that wrong. Um, we have that split screen that we, we've seen in the past. These guys are just, as you'd expect, brawling all over the place. The leprechaun arrives, runs around for a little bit, chases Jimmy Hart, and then just kind of buggers off again. So I don't quite know the point in that. And then, as is the theme with this episode of Nitro, the wrestling not being great, we cut to what we're really interested in. And Mean Gene is now backstage with the Four Horsemen and Lex Luger. Uh, and we get another fantastic R. Anderson promo. They're all chastising Sting and the decision he he's apparently made. And Arn, again, is absolutely incredible. He talks about the only constant in the last 10 years of WCW was Sting. And even in a sort of kayfabe way, comments on people turning heel and face. He says about people, other people went elsewhere, which obviously included uh, himself. He went to the WWF for a short run with Teddy Blanchard and obviously Flair did as well and so on. He goes, people come and go. People have been elsewhere. And then people have changed attitudes, obviously referencing turning heel and face, which I thought was a really clever way of, of getting that in. Because, but the only constant is Sting. And now he's done this. I really, really liked this promo from Ron Anderson. I thought this was bloody brilliant. Yeah, it, it really was, mate. And as soon as you got that um, little split screen of the um, of the four, four horsemen backstage, I, I I just could not care about this match at all. I just no. focused solely on, especially when when Ric Flair started talking. I was like, oh, I didn't even know there was a match going on there. I was more interested in this interview. <laughs> Well, yeah, this is it. I mean, Luger says he's going to go find Sting. He knows where he lives. He knows where he works out and all this sort of stuff. He's been my best friend for 10 years. I'm going to go and find Sting. So off Luger goes. And then we go back to the match. And I was exactly the same as you. I was like, oh, yeah, shit, a match is going on. I completely <laughs> forgot. It really was, mate. But, yeah, um, as you said earlier, I mean, uh, they should just take some time off this match and put it onto the Billy kidman Rey Mysterio match. But we did get... Uh, we do, unfortunately, have to cover what else happened on this match. And, um, yeah. yeah, Barbarian uh, goes for a splash. And then... Uh, well, actually, they set up a table first, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's correct, yes. It's, it's quite a sight, because the Barbarian is a massive dude, isn't he? Yeah. And he yeah. comes off the top rope and he's going to try and splash Rocco Rock, I think it is, through a table on yep. the floor coming off the top rope. And we get a fantastic camera angle of this huge guy flying off the top rope and Rocco Rock moves out of the way just in time and Barbarian goes through the table, sells it for around 15 seconds before jumping up like nothing's happened, which is a bit of a disappointment. But yeah. Meng also hits a pile driver at one stage, which looked quite cool. Um, Meng then runs into the corner for a splash, misses and crashes in the corner. All four guys are fighting for a little bit. Then we get another table brought into the ring. Rocco Rock hits a moonsault off the top rope to send Meng through a table. Then we have a bit of a brawl and then the match is finally stopped. I just assumed it was a no contest, but I think they announced the faces of fear as the winners. Uh, I after that table uh, incident with um, Meng going through the table and then sticking back up, um, I think yeah, it just it, I just wrote down brawling shoes, all four of them. Match gets thrown out. Mm, yeah, that's what I thought. Well, they might have announced Faces of Fear as winning. I'm not sure. The, the referee was trying to raise their hand, but maybe <laughs> I misunderstood that. Uh, yeah. We also get Eric Bischoff on commentary again, being fantastic with the whole Sting um, NWO stuff saying Hogan used this line a while back. Sting turned around and responded by telling Hogan, no, you can stick it. I'm going to say it now. No, Sting, you stick it. And he just sounds devastated, doesn't he? Yeah, it really does. I mean, he sounds exactly how I feel, to be honest with you. Oh, okay, interesting. Uh, we then get Mean Gene again. He's in the ring with the Dungeon of Doom. 
and randomly Conan is there. <laughs> why? Why is that? I don't get it. Yeah, I was thinking. Okay, did something happen on a weekend show? Possibly. I mean, unfortunately, the results I'm reading do not cover like segments or any things like that. But yeah. I will definitely go back and have a look. It was a weird one for me. Uh, Conan's. Do you remember when we saw Conan and on one of the pay per views very early on? And Conan was asked by Mean Gene or Tony Schiavone uh, what was the move we just saw in a particular cruiserweight match. And Conan stood there and very bland and uh, no accent said, oh, that move is called this, this and this. And he's hit this and that's how he won the match. Yes. In the, in the last couple of months, he's obviously become more Mexican because <laughs> this promo by Conan is completely different. And we have a very strong almost stereotypical accent applied here and it's so over the top it kind of seems a bit silly to me mm, almost parody mm, yeah but, i mean i guess somebody had to replace the giant in the dungeon of doom <laughs> well yeah, who was the other guy as well there was, a mass, there was a massive muscly dude who just kept flexing at the crowd who was that <laughs> when when kevin sullivan was trying to be serious this guy just leant over stuck his tongue out and started flexing at the ringside fans <laughs> yeah who was that dude I've got no idea. No idea. <sighs> it's so strange. But anyway, <laughs> uh, all we get from this promo is uh, Conan ranting a little bit. And then Bubba calls out Glacier again. So that's obviously where we're heading with that. This gives us another NWO promo package, which I really enjoyed. They're talking about war games. They're in a cage during this, this interview segment. And the camera cuts and the black and white. And Scott Hall is just the coolest man on the planet. I really like these. I think they're so well done. Yeah, they really are. And I loved the inclusion of Ted DiBiase in this as well, because he just seemed, I mean, I said it, um, I think said it last week or the week before, I, I just didn't really see Ted DiBiase in the NWO, but this, yeah, he definitely fit in. Mm. What follows is a match that I never thought I'd want to see in Randy Savage versus John Tenter. And now I've seen it, I realised I was correct. I never want to see that. <laughs> uh, Savage comes out incredibly fast and attacks Tenta straight away, but to no real effect. Tenta just kicks the crap out of Savage for a bit. At this point, I notice John Tenta still has half a haircut. What the hell? But not half a beard. <laughs> no, he's just got a tash now. So it's like he's, he's obviously not fully committed to his gimmick if he's not like you know kept half the beard. Um, <laughs> no, the... One thing, one thing we forgot to talk about side with Tenta. Yes. He finally has theme music. He and does. Do you know whose theme song that is? No. I think that's Chris Jericho's WCW theme song in the future. Ah, interesting. Okay. We'll have to have a listen out for that. Oh, actually, I don't think we will because they dub it, don't they, on the network? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, oh, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Because they use his WWF theme. But, yeah, well, as, as it was playing, I was thinking, oh, Chris Jericho. I was actually wrote down in my notes, CHR. And then when I seen Tent, I thought, oh, that's not Chris Jericho. It's definitely not Chris Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably the highlight of this match. Uh, well, we'll cover the, I, I say match very loosely. But, I mean, effectively, it's a bit of a brawl. Savage then uses a chair several times. To, but it's no DQ. Is it no DQ? I don't know. Perhaps it should have been a disqualification. Who fucking knows? WCW at this point. <laughs> we get the top rope axe handle from Savage, and then he hits two elbow drops as Teddy Long comes out and starts yelling, the NWO are outside. So Savage chases Teddy Long outside to get at the NWO. So I guess Tenta has now beaten Randy Savage by count out or DQ or something. Yes. But before we get to what we see on the outside, really interesting point happened in this match as Eric Bischoff had to speak about Meng being called Haku by Bobby Heenan. Now, Heenan obviously ma managed Meng in WWF and was around him for a long time as, as the character Haku. Eric Bischoff had to say earlier on in the show, um, Meng was referred to as Haku by my, my colleague Bobby Heenan. We have to make very clear that he is under contract for WCW. He does not work for any other wrestling promotion. And the name Haku is a throwback. He is Meng in WCW. Obviously, the legal issues and the WWF suing them is really playing on their mind here. Yeah. Yeah, really? interesting stuff. Yeah, and he was very, very serious when he said it as well. Mm, indeed. Indeed. Um, 
your limo count goes up a little bit, I guess, here, Danny. <laughs> yep. Number 11, Scottish Danny's limo count. <laughs> right. OK. Uh, there's limos on the outside. The WCW, uh, well, roster, there's, there's loads of them. There's the, the Horseman. There's the Dungeon of Doom. Um, the Rick Steiner's running around again. Loads of people turn up on the outside and in the rain once again. And the one limo speeds away so they don't get hold of anyone before, you know, there's the shout of, well, there's another limo over here. Maybe there's someone in there. And Savage gets in the limo. There's no one there other than a box or a couple of cans of spray paint. And then they all try and spray WCW all over the limo. But because it's raining so much, it doesn't quite work. No. <laughs> I did get a kick out of seeing Public Enemy there. I was thinking, what are they going to do? <laughs> <laughs> They'll just put themselves through a table and be like, that taught you, didn't it? <laughs> very true oh. but yeah the the paint just it almost looked like a green color didn't it <laughs> yeah it, it didn't work very well but still it, it's quite a cool image the, the, the good guys and the bad guys bonding together and it's the last thing we really see from the majority of the roster before the pay-per-view so that was quite a, quite a good image i feel um but the actual last thing we do see is we're back at the commentary desk with eric bischoff mike Tanay, and bobby heenan and eric bischoff is talking Again, again, quite sad, quite quite distraught about what we've seen this evening with regards to Sting and the NWO. And Bischoff is... Effectively, he tries to apologise for bringing Hogan in to WCW in the first place, which I think is a real nice touch, uh, and it adds that kind of realism to what the story they're trying to tell. But the best part of this was once again Arn Anderson because the horsemen turn up at the desk in the same way the NWO have done in previous weeks. Take a headset and Arn just cuts a promo about how you guys you know, think you're a gang, the NWO, etc. Um, we've been doing this for years. And he mentions Ole Anderson. He mentions Tully Blanchard. He mentions the previous incarnations of the horsemen. And he says, Hogan, it's obvious. You just wanted to be a horseman when you grow up. And I thought, that is so good. And I I can guarantee, listening to all these fantastic promos from Arn, we've had three of them just tonight alone. I believe every word he's saying, and I don't doubt for a second that he's not rehearsed this. This is just Arn Anderson being amazing, isn't it? It really is, mate. And it really showed here. And it's, it just gets you so excited to see the pay-per-view because it's not the NWO just beating down the, the good guys every week. It's, we're getting even on them for the and especially on the go home show as well it's like oh what will happen now but i loved um that eric flair eric bischoff tried to uh also get on the um headset and try to talk and then rick flair kept interrupting him <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah flair's being typical shouty flair but i love it the contrast between arn and flair works really well doesn't it mm, definitely uh okay and that's kind of where we go off the air next up Four Brawl in Horseman Country, War Games, the NWO versus the Horseman. Uh, before we get to our, uh, I suppose, rundown of the card and see what WCW have told us is happening and what you can remember, Danny, we better rate this episode itself, this episode of Nitro we're looking at today, uh, with our usual method, our plus points and our bad points, our woos and our brothers. Brother, 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 brothers, brother, Woo! brother. First or second, my friend? I'll go second this week, mate. Okie doke. Um, my oh brother, first of all, was just the wrestling. I think that the wrestling on this show was incredibly poor. Uh, barring moments in some of the matches. And then I suppose the, the Kidman Mysterio match, but that was just a moment in itself because it was so short. The wrestling itself was clunky, punchy, kicky bullshit. Not for my taste whatsoever. What's your old brother, my friend? Mine would be John Tenter, um, just in the main event. I mean, it, it just felt so random. I know why <laughs> he was there <laughs> because uh, they even said that on commentary, it was so the Macho Man had. Uh, an opponent like the giant uh, who will be, be facing on Sunday but I mean we haven't seen Tenter for I don't want to say months but we, it's certainly been about five or four or five six weeks and for him to just turn up here with 
music as well because that was another thing he never had music um a couple weeks ago but for him to just turn up almost like a new character um it just the felt same weird shit haircut yeah, yeah. <laughs> it almost felt like how you felt um when you see greg valentine in the main event a few uh, weeks ago yeah that was really strange yeah uh, um my woo this week my plus point um first of all couple of honorary mentions um the whole visual of fighting in the rain in the car park with the lights and the hammering down storm was fantastic television yeah. eric bischoff on commentary made the whole sting nwo things we saw this week really hit home with how he felt about what he's viewed but my woo's got to be on anderson on anderson yeah. stole the show again the guy is amazing uh what about you danny definitely would have to be i know i complained about earlier but it'd have to be the sting heel turn because even though it did frustrate me but it made me feel like I couldn't turn, I couldn't pause this. I was just like, I had to put the pen and paper down. I was like, no, I want to watch this. But it just made me feel like, oh, just I need to know what happens next. But yeah, I have to give a big hats off to that. But even though I just would have, if, just, if they'd just done it six days later, I would have been probably my all-time woo. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, again, I'm not going to go into details because that is for next week's show. Yeah. But if you could see me right now, I mean, we're recording via Skype, but we're, we haven't got the cameras on or anything like that. If you could see me right now, you would see that I've got a massive grin on my face hearing how that, what we've seen this evening on, on that Nitro has got that reaction from you is fantastic for me as, as your friend and as a, as a fellow wrestling fan. And then also hearing you say the line, Oh, I can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah. I love yeah. it. That, that's made Brilliant. me smile so much. Uh, <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> hit, miss or middle in, my friend? I'll go a hit on this one, uh, Si, because as you said, even though the wrestling wasn't there, um, the build-up to the pay-per-view, we had uh, big stars on this show. We had Eric Bischoff on fire, which I'll never understand how people criticise him on commentary because all they need to do is watch the last three weeks of Nitros and yes. he was just outstanding. So, yeah, hit for this week. How, how about you, mate? Um, it's a difficult one for me. I, I I think all the angles and all the NWO, Sting, Luger, Horseman stuff was so good. It was so, so good. But every wrestling match we had was shite. <laughs> From a wrestling standpoint, it's a mess. Yeah. From a TV show standpoint, it's a big hit. So I suppose by balance, I should give it a middle but I'm probably going to go more towards just getting into hit territory because Arn Anderson was that good that it yeah. kind of out outweighed the crappy wrestling we saw. Yeah. There we go. So then, Danny, next week, Fall Brawl 1996 with a guest. For the very first time here on Nitro Nights, we have a guest, but that will be revealed next week when you press play on the podcast. Um, can you remember... What is on the card? Yeah, um, so I'm going to just do this based off of uh, this Nitro's notes that I can, and stuff that I can remember. I know we have the uh, and the um, NWO versus Four Horsemen. Yep, in the cage. I know since Randy Savage was in the main event, I know he's facing the giant. Yep. Um I can remember Rey Mysterio versus Super Calo is happening. Mm -hmm. And oh, DDP versus Travel Guerrero. That's all I can remember. How about you, mate? Can you? Uh, we've got the Nasties versus Harlem Heat. Oh, yeah. For the tag titles. And I believe we have Conan wrestling someone. Is he wrestling Hoover 2 Guerrero, maybe? Ooh, sounds about right, but. Because I think they mentioned that he was supposed to be uh, Conan, sorry, he was supposed to be wrestling Psychosis, but he's injured. Oh, so yeah. yeah. What are you looking forward to the most? Absolutely, that cage match because, as I was saying last week, I mean, I've seen some um, some war games matches, but not the build up to them because I've just stuck. I've either stuck the DVDs on or the network. You've kindly suggested some to me. Um, we watched last year's uh, Fall Brawl, but the build up of this is going to be. I mean, just. 
year to year build up of four brawl to four brawl has been fantastic. But the NWO versus uh, the Four Horsemen, I'm really excited to see who wins that and what happens. Mm. It, it's been very, very good TV, hasn't it? Yeah, really has, man. Indeed. Okay, uh, Danny, before we depart, do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find you online and all the great shows you are involved in? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Scottish Juggalo. You can hear me on One Man's Meat Podcast with the great Chris Bellis. You can hear me on Back When with the great Ty Peters. And you can hear me here next week where me and Sai will be joined by a special someone to cover for Brawl 96. We will indeed. We will indeed. Anything I'm involved in, you can find via the network that carries this show. So that's at SJP World Media on all your podcast players, platforms and providers. And also on Twitter and Facebook at SJP World Media. Make sure you're chucking us a follow there to you know, basically find the links and hear about all the shows that the network covers. And um, We cover all sorts of topics. We have uh, a nostalgia look at wrestling with regards to this show and others. We have a couple of shows a week looking at modern day wrestling as well with in the corner and regularly scheduled hostilities. We have TV shows covered for you. Um, the waiting room looking at quantum leap. We have the doctor who pod. We have the murder in mind podcast, all such fantastic hosts on all of these. Benny Mac, Tyler Peters, yourself, Scottish Danny. We have the guys from Ohio, our fab- fabulous trio from Ohio, Josh, Yvonne and Chuck doing regularly scheduled hostilities. So many great, great hosts. Dan Griffin on the doctor who pod. We have Morty, our great friend Morty on uh, the murder in mind podcast. Also with regards to that, go. it's not part of the SJP network. It's on its own separate stream, but go and seek out the morty and fitch podcast that makes me laugh every single week comes out every single tuesday it is absolute comedy gold but that's where you can find anything i am involved in but this show itself you can find on facebook and twitter at nitro underscore nights that's at nitro underscore nights danny this has been fantastic next week is going to be even better the only thing i can suggest to you is don't look anything up. Avoid any spoilers, which sounds so silly to say because it's nearly 30-year-old television. <laughs> Go and watch Four Brawl. Yeah. It will blow your mind. I'm going to get that watched uh, either tomorrow or Monday. But yeah, it will get watched early. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Right, I'll speak to you next week, my friend. I'll see you in the cage next week. <laughs> and to everyone else, as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>